everyone. Welcome back to another podcast episode. So I'm Kylie Nicole. If you have listened to some of my episodes before, thank you for joining me today. I'm an evidential medium working in Perth, WA, and I am also the founder of the Empowered Path program, which is a program that I've designed to help women who are more holistic and heart-based, find the courage to back themselves and create a new reality for themselves away from a day job or a corporate situation which isn't working for them anymore. So today, normally my podcast episodes are around um, the combination of spirituality and business and how that looks. But today I'm doing something a little bit different. I thought that I would do a Q&A in terms of some of the questions that I get as a medium and address some of those because... The other part of my work is normalizing this work. Uh, there are, people are a lot more open now uh, to their spirituality and to their own connection to spirit. But when people are learning and when they're still going along the journey, there are some questions that come up quite a few times. <laughs> so I thought that maybe I could shine a light on some of those and sort of air them on the podcast to see if if it resonates with people and also to invite you guys to ask questions. If there's something about mediumship that you're not sure of, or if you'd like to learn how to do something or understand something differently, I would definitely love to help you wherever you're at in your journey. We never stop learning, and that's the beautiful thing about this. But okay, so the first question I had was, it came in from a client who was quite worried because her, I think it was her mum, had passed and very recently, and she didn't know how long she had to wait So her question was, how long until people in spirit can connect with us on this side of life or through a medium? Now, there is like the old school of thought and the new school of thought. And previously, I think the advice was like to give it four to six months or something. However, the way I've been led to understand it is that it's not a timing thing. Spirit are, the the minute spirit pass, timing as we know it ceases to exist. So the consciousness doesn't rely on a clock, obviously. But even the concept of time is not a concept in the spiritual realm. So in terms of how long until they can connect, instantaneous, absolutely instantaneous, at that point of transition where the physical becomes the metaphysical, the soul of your loved one can connect with you, whether that's through a medium or directly. Does it happen like that? Often no. And the reason why is because we have to be ready for that connection. And when you've just lost somebody and also when you've gone through the living grief of the journey of their passing, even if that was a sudden and or unexpected passing, you still need to honor what that looks like. You still need to honor the human experience and how that loss presents to you and what that feels like for you. And with any big experience like that, it also provides you with the opportunity to do, to kind of do it differently, to see how it sits with you and to make up your mind with how the experience is going to be for you. I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this has lost someone and you know how overwhelming it is in those first few minutes, hours, days, months, and even years when you're trying to reassess your physical life without this key person in it and what that looks like for you and all of the emotions that you deal with. Most of them boil down to being left here and to to being robbed of time together and of of memories that you should have, could have, would have made. And all of that stuff is very humanity-based and it is absolutely valid because we are here having a human experience and we have to honor that. But having said that, when 
you settle in and understand that we are energetic beings having a human experience and we're not here for a long time. Even if we have 100 years, we're not here for a long time. And let's face it, when you love somebody, you'd never be ready for them to go. So it's not a case of not being prepared. It's not a case of not being ready. In some instances, you know, especially when someone's got like a cancer or a, a terminal illness, when their loved ones are around them and waiting for them to pass and, and actively giving them permission to go and all of those end-of-life processes, you'd think that they would have come to peace with the fact that they are losing somebody or they have lost somebody. But even though you logically know that this is a process that we have to honour and it's an end-of-life process and we're all going to do it, and even when you know that it's a kindness to some people and they're suffering and it's okay to let go and all of that stuff, even when you logically know that, your body will still have a trauma response to it. It doesn't matter if you've had years to get used to the idea. Your body will still have a trauma response to it. So when it comes to connection on the other side, our loved ones go through their transition to back to spirit and then in their own version of time or whatever relates to a concept of time for our mind to understand it by, they do their, their healing, they do their life in review, they work with their own spiritual teams and their own healers and everything on the other side. And all of that happens in the blink of an eye for us. It's not the same concept of time. And then when we are ready they will connect with us again. And that can be as soon as straight away. When my aunt passed away, I was sitting on a hill. Uh, I was in New South Wales and I was sitting on this hill. And I think I've spoken about this in a podcast before, but it was sunset and I was almost, it was weird. I wasn't really there. I was in a remote viewing situation, uh, which sounds bizarre. And even, even now my brain doesn't really understand it. But I was watching my mum with my aunt and they were in a different country. They were in Zimbabwe and I was in Australia. And I could hear the conversation my mom was saying to Cole. And I could see what was happening. And I was, I was very much with them. And I even had details of that conversation validated by my mom after the event. So I held space with them while Cole passed away. And then I walked down the hill. I went upstairs to go and get my towel or something. I was going to go and have a shower. And as I was walking down the stairs, Cole was there halfway down the stairs and we had a quick chat. That would only have been, I don't know, five, ten minutes after she would have passed. It was not in any way, it wasn't a long time. I didn't have to wait. And it was amazing. It was so beautiful to have her there with me and to kind of validate the fact that I'd been with her, with her transition work and holding space for her. And yes, I get that it's different for me, but it will still happen the way it needs to happen when we are ready, when we are ready, it's not them. So when we're ready for that contact, that's when it's the right time. So it's definitely not a time thing. It's not like you have to give it four to six months until your loved ones and spirit are able to connect with you. But any time you do give it is because you need to prepare for that connection. And so do they. Okay, so the next question was from somebody whose family weren't fluent in English. And they asked me if I can speak to people in spirit who don't speak English. And the answer is yes. So this this doesn't take a lot of explaining. <laughs> spirit used seven different ways to connect with us. And when it comes to language barriers, it's not a thing because I'll use telepathy 
to get their point across and to get their message across. So it's not like you need to conversationally understand each other. Quite often, they will give you phrases and terms that they would use themselves that their family recognize. But a lot of that comes in telepathically. Not always, but certainly for me, when there's a language barrier, I do very much get that information in a telepathic form. So no, it doesn't matter to me whether your family could speak English or couldn't speak English. Uh, they, they make it happen when they need to. So that's not a problem. Okay, so I've had a question come in and it says, um, what about traumatic deaths? Okay, so, <laughs> all right. Look, I'm not too sure what the question is with that. Um, what about traumatic deaths? What I will say is when I have spoken to people who have passed through trauma, and this is not a blanket rule at all, but I have noticed a pattern with some people who pass through trauma in the sense of when there is something that they know that they are not going to get out of, like a helicopter accident or something like that, when they're trapped in a situation and they know that they're not going to get out of it. Sometimes they get the opportunity for their soul to depart from their body prior to any trauma that they would have physically experienced. So when we worry about people suffering, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And I think that it's always horrible to think about someone that we love going through an end-of-life process, especially one where we kind of envisage they might be terrified or they might be you know, how were they feeling and, and did they suffer? Was there pain? And I wish I could say that all of the time, no, but I can say that some of the time the soul gets the opportunity to part from the physical body before any trauma. I, I hope that that helps. I don't know. Sorry. It's just a bit of a, it's a bit of an open-ended question, but the other thing I will say with traumatic death is there was a concept before that sometimes if somebody died suddenly or traumatically that they wouldn't know how to cross over. And look, when I've spoken to Spirit about it, they made me feel like it was choice. So bearing in mind that everything in life is a choice, <laughs> we decide whether we choose to cross over or not. And that can be based on our belief systems. That can be based on how much conditioning we've taken on, what we've soul contracted for ourselves. There's so much that comes into it. But if we choose to cross over, if we choose to go back to the light, then we do. And if we don't, if we choose to stay on the earthly plane, then that becomes more of a ghost situation, which I don't have too much experience with, ironically. Uh, I can't contact anyone or I, I can see them sometimes, but I can't often communicate with anyone who hasn't crossed over and done their healing and come back with love. So for me, a ghost or a haunting where I might pick up on some kind of energy or I might be able to see something definitely will feel something. But how that presents is always a bit different, but it's not clear. When I chat to your loved ones in spirit, it's like having a cup of tea in a chat. It really isn't complicated. It's just it's just having a having a little chat. Whereas with ghosts or hauntings or anything on that level, it's murky. It's like a, a cross connection. The wires don't line up. The communication doesn't happen. It's just not my job. There are definitely mediums out there who help people cross over, especially in situations where they might have been confused or, or not realize that they need to make the choice. 
So some mediums, that's what they do all the time. And I'm not one of them. My job is to reconnect you with your loved one's past and provide evidential proof of the continuation of the soul. <laughs> that's what I do. So, yeah, there is that element of traumatic deaths as well, I suppose, uh, in the sense that maybe someone hasn't crossed over or hasn't made that choice. But that's not really something I have a field of reference for. Interesting, though. Um, and I guess having an open-ended question isn't necessarily a bad thing because it gives me an opportunity to think outside of the box, too. So thank you for that. Next one is about dementia. Okay. Okay, so dementia is an interesting question. Basically, um, where do they go when they have dementia? Where do people go? And how Spirit have explained that to me is that we are between the worlds. We are, because our timelines are not linear and because we're multidimensional, we jump into different realities when we have dementia. And that, we also spend time in the spiritual realm. And that's the thing, because quite often people feel like their loved one who's struggling with dementia might be connecting with one of their loved ones who have crossed over already or, you know, some other some other reality. I remember, so my, my pops on my mom's side of the family, he had Alzheimer's and he was nonverbal towards the end of his illness. But I remember going back to Zimbabwe and he walked into my bedroom and Pops, Pops would never do that anyway. He'd always knock at the door and wait. But Pop walked into my bedroom and he said to me, Kylie, I need the car keys. I'm going to go and see Uncle Kurs. So bearing in mind, firstly, that he was nonverbal, Pops hadn't spoken in months, uh, I was a little bit taken aback. <laughs> and then asking to go uh, take the car anywhere was also interesting because obviously he was no longer driving. And Uncle Kurs, the man he wanted to go and visit, actually died probably the year before I was born. He unfortunately took his own life. So Pops was in some other reality at that point. And I get that that can be quite confronting and cruel in many ways. But when I've spoken to people who have passed from dementia, they are not aware of the suffering. It's more the people who are dealing with them, their family members who are suffering rather than the people with dementia themselves. Yes, things can be confusing and sometimes that can elicit a fear response. But for the most, how they've made me understand it was they were between the worlds. They were not lonely. They were not lost. They were simply experiencing something else. And the interesting part as well is that I've had people with dementia who are still alive, physically still alive, connect with me on a mediumship level. And that must be because they are in the spiritual realm at that time and they're able to do it. I have never tested the theory, but I'm fairly confident that the physical version of them who is still in their human identity would not be aware of their soul making that connection through mediumship. But because of the nature of evidential mediumship, there is not a shadow of doubt in myself or my clients' minds who we're connecting with when they do come through that way. And it was, it, it was confusing to me when it first started happening because I didn't realize that it was a thing. I didn't know that people who were still alive but had dementia could connect on a mediumship level. So I had to go and do some research around that as well. But like I said before, we never stop learning and that's, that's the joy with us. Okay, let's find another question to answer. Psychic versus medium. This is a good one. It comes up a lot. So what's the difference between a medium and a psychic? And the 
the textbook answer is that a psychic is not always a medium, but a medium is always a psychic. So a psychic is someone who can connect with the energy of objects and people on a physical plane. They are getting information on a psychic level, and that means that it is not being given to them from somebody in spirit. They are not connecting with someone in spirit who's giving them that information. They are picking up pieces of energy, uh, pieces of information, sorry, <laughs> that we leave in our own auric field. So we all have these energetic signatures that imagine them as like what goes before us, this invisible force that goes around us and before us. And we have experiences, we have information, we have all kinds of things, all kinds of information in that particular auric field or in that energetic signature that someone who is psychic can pick up and read without permission. You should always have someone's permission before you connect in with their energy anyway, on any side of life. But someone with psychic abilities will be able to pick up information on our energetic signature and give that back to us and provide information in terms of, you know, uh, past, present, future, where we're most likely to go. Sometimes it can be linked to Akashic Records, uh, not always. So it just depends on the particular psychic. Whereas a medium will always push their energy out to connect with one of your loved ones in spirit and they will get the majority of their information from that person in spirit, but they will also use their psychic abilities if and when they need to. I always joke about the fact that I am a rubbish psychic. I am very not good at psychic stuff. <laughs> My whole thing is chatting to your loved ones in spirit, and that's what I do. So I always cheat and go straight to the, the loved one in spirit as opposed to trying to pick up information psychically because it's comfortable for me. It's my default setting. When I'm pushed, I can do psychic exercises. I can pick information up. I can do psychometry, which is reading a story from an object, whether it's jewelry or you know, a coin or a piece of furniture. I do have to be very careful when I go into antique stores or anything like that because of the energy attached to old objects, which can be overwhelming for me at times. Obviously, you know, white light protection, you keep your energy clear and, and away from those things. But there are the odd occasions where maybe I haven't done that or I haven't really gone and prepared. <laughs> so, yeah, psychics do an amazing job in terms of picking up information and relaying it that's in your auric field and advising you and providing guidance in that way. And mediums are more about connection to your loved ones in spirit and then passing along any validations or guidance that they would like to give you. All right, and the last question that I'm going to answer in this session is a bit of a big one. Um, I've had a client message in saying how to handle grief. What is grief and how do we handle it? There is no quick answer for this. And actually, it's probably a whole podcast session in its own right. But grief is a ever-changing story. Grief wears different faces as well. And it can be a destructive thing. And weirdly, it can be a healing thing as well. So there's no... I know people say that there's five steps of grief. I think it's five. I should know more about this. There's no textbook, though. How you deal with things is going to very much depend on you, how you process information, what your understanding is, what conditioning you have around the physical existence, what ability you have to connect to spirit and 
provide the comfort of um, the signs and the communication that they will give us after they pass away. You know, whether the knowledge of the continuation of the soul is comfortable information for you or not. Like all of these things affect how we deal with grief. Ultimately, you're always going to have the human element of missing somebody physically and of things not being the way they used to be before. And you do have to understand that that is a journey. You'll have days where you feel fine and you'll have days where you're really not fine. And sometimes those are minutes and not days, but that's okay. You can also have a living grief and grief through people dying. A living grief is very much for us. Actually, most grief is for us, but a living grief is very much for us. It's when we are grieving a younger version of ourselves or a simpler time or when we're dealing with situations where we know that there's no happily ever after, there's no good outcome to them, but we have to see the process through. And this can be in terms of uh, nursing somebody through a terminal illness or understanding that there is a, a definitive timeline on, you know, the lifespan. It's the same for human souls, animal souls, all of that stuff. We all, we all experience grief and it's not any different really. It's the, there's no, <laughs> sorry, I was thinking about like a, profound one-liner that would encompass the whole journey and there really isn't one your grief and how it presents to you is going to be entirely unique as your own story is but I think it's important to remember that we grieve for us we because we're the ones that are left behind because our soul knows our soul always know the truth and our soul understands that there is continuation that this is not it for us but our our ego, our human mind isn't sure. Our human mind will tell us whatever we've been conditioned to believe and that may not fit in with what our soul knows is truth and that can create conflict for us. So then that pushes you into this journey of discovery and quite often this is where people step into their space on a spiritual, kind of on a spiritual journey because they need to know. They have these questions that they need answers for and that's what takes them on the journey. So in terms of your spirituality, your belief systems, what you know, what you experience, we all come to that in our own time. There's no, there's no hard and fast rule on how that should look and what that looks like. It happens when it needs to. And how your grief journey goes very much depends on what you allow yourself to experience and how you allow yourself to process the emotions that come with grief. We also have this conflicting aspect when there might be elements of somebody that we've lost that we didn't particularly like and having to make peace with that and understand that we can love somebody and not like them at the same time. So that also throws in a different layer. There's no way of really explaining it, but grief can also become healing when you understand through experience that the people we love do continue and that they are as we are meant to be. We're not meant to be in the physical we're energetic beings having a human experience. And when you understand that, you kind of go, right, okay, this is about creating, this life is about creating, it's about manifesting, it's about bringing in something different for ourselves and how we do that and healing generational and genealogical pain and rewriting the energetic DNA and the evolution of our soul. That's why we're here. And when you understand that, you kind of go, okay, what else is possible? What time do I have left and what can I do with it? 
And that sort of opens up more doors for you. And that's when grief becomes healing because you understand that you're not alone. This is not it for you. And you're in full control of what you do with that information. So what I will say with grief is you have to honor where you're at. You can't fast forward. You can't skip a stage. You just have to be in that moment and understand that emotions are neither good nor bad. They simply are. And there will always be something positive that you can take from everything. So be kind to yourself and just go with it the way you need to. Okay. All right, guys, I'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much for the questions. They are interesting. It does challenge me to think about things differently and to explain things in a different way. So I hope that you found this helpful. And obviously, if you have any questions, like leave me a comment, send me an email, however, like get in touch because I'd love to be able to answer some of the questions that you have uh, around mediumship, around spiritual connection, around how that looks for us. Uh, yeah, drop me a line. Would love to chat. Otherwise, I hope you all have an amazing week. Um, go where you're called, love bravely and live loud. Chat to you next week. Mm -hmm.